Episode 54, Repacks with Jonathan Rotunda from Roto Breaks and Roto Box. Bonus. Okay, I think we're started. All right. So I, first off, I got to say, Jonathan, thank you so much. Uh, can I call you Jonathan or John or Roto? Uh, Jonathan or Roto, whatever. Uh, most people call me Jonathan in the hobby. They call me Roto. So you pick. Okay. <laughs> so you are from Roto Breaks or Roto uh, and Roto. So you're a breaking company and Roto Box is the repack business that you have, right? Correct. Yes. Awesome. And you're the, uh, what, president owner? Um, most of it. But... You're, you're most. Okay. <laughs> so I, I kind of went straight into it because I, I can't believe, I, I appreciate so much the um, the ability to jump on short notice. Uh, you know, so this is the Card Diary by Javier Thompson. I'm the host, uh, Denny Cards. Uh, I won't do the whole intro thing right now um, because I want to dive right into this. Um, yeah, repacks are such a hot topic in the hobby right now. Um, they're just—it's you know—it seems like there's something every week or every day and all that stuff. And you know, right now a, a big light is shined on repacks, and there's some good and you know maybe not so good things being talked about. What I want to do in this, you know, how we're much time we have here to talk about it is you know first let's get into your hobby journey you know like just your background and then i would love to kind of go from you know there's that concept in restaurants farm to table like oh, uh, yeah. going <laughs> i want to go from comp i want to go from comp to table i want to go from okay. buying to sh uh packing to to shipping and ripping and all that stuff because i'm so fascinated with this uh area of the industry so sure. um Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here, um, especially with such short notice. So can, can you kind of talk to me about like your hobby journey thus far? Sure. Um, for those who aren't familiar with me, I'm uh, been around a while, but I'm not the, you know, I'm not Rich Layton or anything. So um, a lot of people don't know who I am. So I've uh, been in the hobby since I was a child, um, got my first pack of cards in 1987 um so before a lot of people listening were probably alive but that was uh my first uh foray i got a pack from uh, uh my parents 1987 tops i was hooked um collected all through uh childhood of course so many of us did and then uh uh you know high school college um kind of got out of it and then entered uh, the workforce, uh, and then moved, uh, you know, you get older, you get bored, you start to, uh, get back into stuff. So around 2014, 2015, um, found my way into a hobby shop and, uh, bought some, uh, Bowman, which was kind of what I was attracted to. Uh, really liked, uh, the prospects. Um, I was, I was very interested in following Yankee prospects. Um, 2013 Aaron Judge had just been drafted. I was pretty excited about him. So I uh, wanted to find some cards of him. Um, so was just collecting. Uh, and then uh, around 2016, I learned what breaks were, uh, started watching them, uh, accumulated a, a pretty good group of friends. And we were like, hey, why don't we just do one of these like together? And so we 
wanted to get a case of 2016 Bowman's Best. That was the first product I ever did. And basically I was kind of just nominated to, to open it. Um, cause one of us had to, cause we were all in different parts of the country. So, uh, I got the case, um, created Roto breaks on Facebook, um, which was, uh, it, I didn't intend to be in the business. We just wanted to open a case. And then, uh, um, yeah, we did one, did another, people started joining the group. And then, uh, and then, uh, in 2017, <clears throat> I had, uh, accumulated, uh, a, a way too many cards from razes and you know stuff like and breaks that i'd gotten in stuff like that and and that was when i kind of got the idea of rotobox which was our uh a, you know a repack as 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 we know them today at the time i didn't really there wasn't a lot to compare it to i was just like well what if i took my own cards and put them in boxes and then uh just figured out what the, you know, what they were worth and figure out a price and do a break that way. And people liked it. And so I, I, I kept doing it fast forward to now. It's uh, that's what I do. So would you, I mean, I don't know if you would say this, but are you, are you the, like the father or godfather of uh, repacks? No. <laughs> do you know who no. it is? Um, well, uh, at the time, so Leaf had done, was doing like best of, um, at that time. So it existed. Uh, Hit Parade started kind of around the same time as me. Obviously, they're a bit more well-funded uh, than we were at the time being, you know, coming from David Adams. Uh, to, you know, I, I like David Adams a ton. And then uh, and then there was, uh, I guess, my main rival at the time uh, was, uh, was, a, it was, I don't know if he still does it even, but AP Boombox was kind of um, but his stuff was a little different. He had a little more uh, memorabilia uh, involved in his, but I was definitely an early adopter. I don't want to, I'm not, gotcha. uh, not the, not the godfather, but um, you know, I tried some things that nobody had really tried before and some were successful, some weren't. And okay. um, you know, I certainly, I guess, laid the groundwork for, there's some of the groundwork for, for cool. what's going on today. All right, so may, maybe you're like a great uncle, perhaps. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Not, <laughs> the, not All right. the godfather, unfortunately. So, so you started <laughs> the breaks in 2016. You started the repacks in 2017, which I did not know about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, well, actually, before I get to uh, comps, because uh, you were t telling me how you were trying to val uh, assess the value of the boxes back then. Sure. Um, when you said you and your friends were all around the country, like where are you currently based out of? Where were we based out of back then? Mm -hmm. And, you know, did you all meet online basically? Uh, yeah. So we all met online. So currently I'm in uh, the Phoenix area uh, in Arizona. And okay. uh, at the time, and, and basically where I'm from uh, is Columbus, Ohio. So I was kind of central uh, was, uh, and, um, and so, you know, when I started collecting again and had gone to the LCS to buy cards, I, you know, I was accumulating a lot and I was basically just looking for ways to trade. That was so, so that's how I found my way uh, into the Facebook groups. And so, um, you know, you, you start to kind of in these Facebook groups are, they're, they're not as popular as they were back then, you know, with the, with the advent of, uh, of, of, you know, loop and whatnot and everybody um so now people kind of go there to congregate but back then there, there there were no apps like that other than breakers tv which 
was different. Uh, and then of okay. course YouTube, but so I, you know, so you meet people in the groups and you, you mm -hmm. find people, you do deals with them, you get comfortable with them. You start yeah. to chat, you, you know, there, you know, this guy, you know, my buddy here is a, a Cubs fan. He's, you know, back in 2016, we're chasing Schwarbers and, and Bryant's <laughs> if I get a nice one, I want to trade him for a judge or a Jeter or something that I might like. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I just met him from all over the country and that's the beauty of the internet. Uh, so, <laughs> so. Oh man. Uh, Chris Bryant had the uh, potential to be the Kobe Bryant of baseball, but just couldn't couldn't get there. I mean, but he was yeah. he was really hot back then, right? Really hot prospect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the time he was yeah. the guy. It was uh, yeah. Harper and and uh, Harper and Bryant, um, yeah. and and that was that was it. Like if you got a Harper or Bryant, like that was peak. But that's that's awesome. Yeah, um, Harper's never recovered. It's like one one mediocre year and nine of the best years we've ever seen, but that mediocre year is all they remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before I get into kind of like the comp, well, actually, let's do it right now. The uh, what were you using at that time to comp cards? Because I don't know when one thirty point came out and and you know all the apps we have nowadays. I don't want to say them all because they're not sponsors of the show. So yeah, uh, well, one that the one that I primarily use definitely isn't a sponsor of this show because I don't even think they're around anymore. But Card Snoop used to be um, kind of the the predecessor to um, to, to one thirty point or, or or any of those. So Card Snoop was uh, was was mainly, and then um, a little bit of uh, like Terra Peak. I, I forget when that kind of came around and then you got vcp for vintage stuff but yeah back then card snoop when card snoop died that was a tough day i i was a big fan card snoop got me <laughs> through through a lot wow. of that that's interesting i thought i mean because i don't know when uh you know the beckett magazine became like less pertinent maybe around the advent of like uh you know uh, I don't want to say the, like the, the start of the internet, but you know, like it just became less reliant on, right? So yeah. I thought yeah. maybe around the early 2010s it would have been Beckett, but actually, you know, I was I was in the hobby in 20, 2007 to 2012. What did I use? I feel like maybe I did see some Beckett's around. I saw some online stuff. I, I don't, I don't, I, you know what? I think I might have been on some. Uh, Oh my gosh! You know they they say don't go down rabbit holes you you can't get yourself out of. But <laughs> I don't. What I think I did was there was this website called Sports Card Forum, and people mm -hmm. would list prices of things and just buy. You know, like they would just kind of. I don't know where they they got those numbers, but if I was buying a card at thirty, and de definitely at that time I was not doing any flipping, but. I remember thinking, oh, maybe if that's what they want, and we can negotiate a little bit. You know, that the end value is. 25 or something right just so i right and if i wanted to trade i would get one of my cards that was like i think like um from the same set but a different player i mean i, I just feel like trading back then was so much more uh certainly like maybe um i mean it's all unregulated but what am i trying to say here it's more like within sport within sets within products i think that's the type of trading that i i remember doing back in that time sure yeah like set building type stuff yeah um but yeah um it was uh yeah it wasn't as uh there was no you know apps that we could go on i mean th yeah. there, there was nothing we were you know you just kind of had to do your best and try and be 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It really yeah, was a do your uh, best it, type of situation. It was, it, you know, everything should be, and it still should be a do your best yeah. situation. Right? right. But, but we have a little more tools to, to kind of uh, fine tune uh, the accuracy, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. So before we get into kind of like the comp to table aspect of things, cause I'm, and I'm really glad we went down the comp rabbit hole a little bit because card snoop. Wow. That's, yeah. I don't remember that. Um, real but, no, Danny. The real oh man, I'm I'm just such a poser. I'm a poser. <laughs> um, when it comes to that first pack you got in 1987, um, you were in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm trying to figure out what are the. I love talking about regional grocery stores. I won't do it here too much, but <laughs> where were you? Like you were with your mom. You you like got good grades, and you guys were what at like a Kroger's or something like that, or. Albertson's. No, I actually wasn't in Columbus at the time. I I, okay. I actually do remember it. We were at the base exchange in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. My father was in the Marine Corps. Uh, oh. And so we were in, in Jacksonville. And uh, I remember we were we were checking out and they were by the checkout. So this was at mm -hmm. like kind of the, the military like uh, convenience store, basically. Like a commissary? Uh, yeah, it wasn't the so the commissary, but then you got the exchange it was kind of like the it was like a smaller version. Oh, okay, of okay. It. Um, okay. And so uh, and and so yeah, there was just packs there, and they had baseballs on them. And uh, I remember it was green, and it had a big baseball on it. And mm -hmm. I was you know five, and uh, oh. I said, "What's this?" And uh, they bought me one. You know, back then it was what quarter 50 cents i don't know yeah I mean, right they weren't much so yeah. uh i got one opened it up there was a don mattingly right on top so Ooh, now yeah. uh, uh i was already a yankees fan at that time just because my grandpa was so oh. i had like yankees t-shirts and then uh um yeah i got don mattingly i was so excited there was a yankee on top um and uh then i chewed the gum and uh and that was that <laughs> <laughs> Chewed the gum. Uh, and so you went from Mattingly, Jeter, Judge. You're just a Yankee through and through, huh? Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Although I don't know. I, I, I was, I was, now that I live in Phoenix, it was hard to not, uh, um, it was hard to not, once the Yankees were, you know, what they were this year, which was terrible and disappointing, um, it was hard to not get swept up in the, the Diamondbacks feet. Oh, yeah. Their um, run. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. it was, so I was certainly a fan of them throughout the playoffs, but yeah, Yankees, uh, amazing uh, run, good. amazing star player. Seems like a really nice guy. Um, you know, he's half Taiwanese, apparently. Uh, Corbin Carroll is. It, it, real quick, so so I so I got to meet him last year at the at the tops um, conference, right? Okay, and uh, you know, nor, just he was so nice; it really caught me off guard um like so 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 what tops does is they they let you line up and you can meet you know the player so so mm -hmm. this year it was um uh carol previous year it was j-rod so they're they're hitting pretty hard oh yeah so i go up to meet you know corbin carol and i just recently moved to to phoenix and uh i was like hey you know nice to meet you you shake the hand and and i said yeah i'm excited to watch you play this year um I, you know i i live around here and uh what i expect is just like oh yeah you know hopefully we'll see there, you know, just something like that. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, what, what part of town do you live in? And I, I told him and he's like, 
he's like, is that, you know, is that out, 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 out East, out West? And I said, it's out East. And he's like, so how far away is that from here? And like, he carried on this conversation. He's like, where do you like to eat out there? Do you, do you enjoy the community? Do you have any kids? I'm like, dude, (laughs) you know, I was just expecting a a quick uh, interaction and him to brush me off. And he started like a three minute conversation with me about where I live. And now he's your best friend. And uh, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be the best man at his wedding. Corbin Carroll, shout out to you, man. We didn't we didn't awesome. stay in touch, but it was just yeah, he was so <laughs> nice. It it was shocking. Like I was That's so I'm not awesome. used to people caring anything. You know, you meet a celeb, you know, an athlete or celebrity. Yeah, don't meet it polite and right, <laughs> right. The the whole don't meet your heroes type of thing. Um, but that's a really cool story. Yeah, he he was at the tops rip night stuff in Arizona and. Um, I think he really he seems to be one of those types who really does like the hobby uh, and mm-hmm. the people in it because I think there's definitely some athletes who are like, oh, these people just want to you know commoditize my or monetize my my signature and my autograph and right. I do it out of obligation and I don't really want to do this, but my agent told me to and this and that and I like it just for the money. But again, whether it is a facade or not, some of the folks um, they really are like they 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 are here for for you know not just the monetary gain which i'm sure is helpful to them but like it's more of like i want to you know ingratiate myself to to my fans and and the collectors yeah it's cool it's cool to see it i like and you know it makes me root for him i'm like man that guy was like genuinely nice to me and i when he won rookie of the year i was super super excited i i know it you know it it is character it's all character and oh man don't don't we we got it you know i'm gonna say we have to stop talking about this not because we have to move the podcast along but because i don't want to start collecting him you're making me like him too much (laughs) and look i'm I'm wearing the nationals uh a a sweat a hoodie because it's it's cold in the basement here but i i gotta say um yeah i really like those uh the good character nice nice dudes in sports and um i think he's underpriced he's a good buy (laughs) he's like yeah okay maybe i will have to buy him all right (laughs) Just another lane for me to collect. Uh, there you my, go. my, you know, Corbin Carroll. So, uh, if you're listening to this, Corbin, thank you. <laughs> so, um, actually, can I ask you? Uh, you seem so. Again, we're gonna get into the. See, I'm not. Look, I'm not. I'm not a great podcast host. I may not ask everything that people want me to ask. I definitely have some questions from Instagram, and we'll get to all those things. But, I mean, have you? You know, you've been around the hobby for a while. Is is this your first podcast? We haven't. We didn't even talk about that before I started pressing record. No, I've been on a few. Um, okay. I'm, I'm in the process of kind of. We've been trying to do our own. It's just you know, it's hard. It you know, it's hard. It's hard to <laughs> do it. But uh, you know, we, I've tried my own. I've been on. I've been on a few. Um, okay. This is the first time I think to specifically discuss repacks and and all of the, you know, the the hot hot button issues in the, <laughs> in the industry right now. But yeah, no, yeah. I've been on a couple. Um, okay. But, Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for being on this one. Uh, let's get right into the repacks. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to do this whole intro about them. Uh, you know, I did make a reel talking about it, and I think, you know, got some good engagement. People are, my main point was uh, like breakers. They're good repackers or bad repackers. Sure. Uh, and the, the good ones are good for the hobby. The bad ones are bad for the hobby. That's the way I see things. A lot of things in life. I mean, we can't sure. just lump people into one big old group and say they're all evil or they're all wonderful. So you've done it for a while. You've seen almost like an evolution. You've used old comp tools. You're using the new comp tools. You've seen the repack business um, from its infancy. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so uh, let's let's start with the buying process because I think this is the part that most the most questions came from, and it's the most interesting part, right? Because mm-hmm. I made that content because you know someone who really moves the needle, C. Blaz, Chad Blesnick talked about how repackers they're coming in, they're swooping in into these shows, and they're buying at. 95% comps or whatever it is. And so I I guess I wanted to ask you the first thing when it comes to the buying process, where are you buying your cards? Um, you know, what percentage comps are you looking for? Are you getting volume discounts or are you paying close to comps because you're buying for repackaging these uh, cards? Sure. Um, I mean, there's different, uh, th- th- there's, there's different mentalities on it i guess and uh you know what c bless said i mean i i i find c bless to be extraordinarily entertaining as a human being i think uh um you know i don't his his video sucked if you ask me because like on in the one on the on the one hand yes like i do think that there is definitely uh there needs to be accountability and there's definitely needs to be a discussion however um the platform that he has, he has a lot of followers because of his antics, I guess, would be the best way I would describe it. Um, I, I think uh, he has a responsibility um, to be a little more um, accurate, I guess, in what he's saying, um, because uh, he, and, and a little less hypocritical. I mean, they're they're the mm. Blaz does a repack. Right, with, right, right. You know, S. Blez posted a video about coincidentally today, and I know everything that the Blez brothers kind of do is mm. a very strategic marketing blitz. I think that they're very intelligent. Uh, mm. I don't think it's any coincidence that <laughs> T. Blez puts out a video saying, mm-hmm. you know, damning repacks mm-hmm. the day before, in or two days before, gets all this discussion going around uh, repacks, and then all of a sudden S. Blez is coming out. Hey. All other repacks suck. Come by uh, ours. The uh, strategery. Yeah, it's you know it, it, smoke, smoke and mirrors. So you know, fall for it, don't fall for it. But the good thing that I do think did come out of it is that he got the discussion going, and it's you know the, no publicity is bad publicity. They say, and and you know it, it gives me an opportunity to come and talk to you know someone people aren't like banging down my door to have conversations with me about what I've been doing for the past, you know, seven, eight years and have a lot of knowledge about, but you know, I, it is nice to have that opportunity to discuss it. So, um, so thanks C Blaz for making the video. Now that said, yes, there are repackers that go out and, you know, they just pick what they want and they'll pay 95% comps and, and that's that, but there's, there's more to it than that. Even the, I would be remiss to say we never would pay that strong on a card. Um, but basically I look at repack as, or the repacks that we make is kind of like a, like a, almost like a mosaic or, or like a puzzle, like what's missing from this. And, you know, the, the need for that particular item is going to dictate how strong we are paying. Uh, so as a general term, um, Basically, and we've been doing this for years, we try to purchase around the 70 to 75% net, uh, you know, mark uh, mm-hmm. versus, you know, what I what are what are determined to be fair comps. So 70 to 75% comp, 
if we're building a product that, uh, you know, let's say it's designed for wholesale, if we're able to then, you know, sell it wholesale at even comp, you know, we're still making 25 to 30 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the breaker is essentially getting their you know, full value for what they're paying. And then, yeah, they're breaking is a service. It's entertainment. There, there's a lot that goes into it and there should be, uh, an understood, uh, kind of premium that you're paying for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're tuning in with nothing to do. You're watching someone talking to themselves for three, four, five, six, seven hours, you know, opening it, putting on a show for you. Um, you know, th- they need to make some money too. So, uh, you know, sh- should I be selling the repacks to that breaker at 150% cost? Of course not. And if anybody is, then that that product should die quickly. It can't, mm-hmm. it will die quickly. So, but you know, I think uh I think the generalization that CBLAS made that repackers are just going to shows and just saying, give me everything I want and I will pay you 95% of comp. Yeah. Nobody is doing that. Nobody is doing that. Okay. Um the- so um where do you have buyers or are you the one personally going out to shows like i know there's some really great shows out in the phoenix arizona or the you know arizona general area like um yeah so we so we've got uh we've got you know burbank obviously has become a huge uh huge operation now they're doing it twice a year so you know go to burbank del mar um and then uh, uh vegas there's the shows in phoenix um so there's a lot of shows around me and then I do have a, 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 a silent partner, a very good friend of mine, who's been uh, basically involved in making these with me since the beginning. So uh, uh, he lives out in Florida. So we've got the East Coast covered that way. And then I'm out here on the West Coast. So mm-hmm. so we do a lot of uh, purchasing at shows. The National, obviously, is a huge uh, buying opportunity for us. A lot of people trying to liquidate there. Um, but I can assure you, we're we're not we don't it's very rare that we would pay 90 percent on anything uh because we just don't need to um because we want to provide a better value and we want you know we make our margins on the buying side um you know i don't make margins on the selling side it's just uh and it's a little bit double dipping when when we make our own and break our own and i understand kind of a conflict there um but uh but yeah i mean it's just uh, i i think that part what needed to be addressed it's it's pretty inaccurate i mean he just doesn't yeah. know where he's either either doesn't know what he's talking about or he's just creating uh, an argument gotcha <laughs> well i mean i really appreciate you saying where you buy from so you are buying from the regional shows and local shows too to an extent um shows you are, have a show Shows are key. And then also, you know, we've got, I've, like I said, I started in Facebook groups back in 2016, 2017. So we've got, you know, people know that I do this. So I've got a pretty steady network of people who bring me stuff. They know what I make. They know what I need. They know what I'm looking for. So when they're prepared to sell it at the discount, I need to buy it at, they come to me with it and it's pretty easy. So these folks, when you say they come to you, they're not like physically geographically coming to you like they're they're all over the country so they're mailing it they're t- sending you pictures and then they're shipping it to you and then you pay you know you send the money that way 
Like yeah, that. pretty much. You try and okay. develop the relationships. I mean, we've done in-person deals. You know, you want to meet up at this place because it's, mm-hmm. you know, a little more substantial or maybe somebody actually wants like cash for it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, yeah, it's just uh, messenger, text, email, whatever. They'll, okay. you know, send me the spreadsheet. I go through, comp it out. We work out the price. And-, and and do you have like a network of buyers or are you like, you know, you, Jonathan, the one going to these shows, traveling around and all that? No, it's it's myself, and then you know I've got uh, a, kind of I guess my president of operations, I guess you could call her. She she comes with me to some shows, and then uh, awesome. and then I've got my my partner who prefers to remain nameless. So I'm I, not... I will. Yes, for for those listening on audio, uh, the silent partner is not behind him like Silent Bob and just kind of like yeah. staring at the screen, <laughs> like running like. No, that. he's he's over there. He's, he's oh, he just, is okay. He's in the corner. Okay. Now, just, <laughs> so um, you know. Before we move on to like the packaging and like you know the mm-hmm. the, the floor and ceiling and, and you know, case hits and all this stuff, when you do comps for these shows, mm-hmm. are you there's so many different ways to comp. I, I think a lot of people that the easiest or AKA to me like the laziest, but again, it's what a lot of people do is you just like the, the last eBay sold. And it doesn't have the eBay sold right, like auction house or last uh, sold. Uh, there's no averaging of the last few. The, uh, the the last one uh, for some people it has to be within a month. We know that there are things called commodity cards that transact almost on a weekly or even daily basis. So they're mm-hmm. so easy to like, and, and you know they're almost like stocks, right? They go up and down like sure. you know very very you know much with the market and player performance. And then there there are cards that just don't transact often at all, whether they're low numbered or just ra- uh, rare or just rarely traded because they mm-hmm. they go into people's houses, you know. And they just don't come out because people love those players or those cards. So yeah. I guess I wanted to ask you, how, how do you guys generally do comps? Uh, you know, w- w- here's the thing about comps in today's environment that's that, that's tricky. Um, so obviously, we, basically a lot of what we do is done on, uh, you know, spreadsheets. And so essentially we, uh, we, we try and find... Um, the sale price point that that we're trying to hit, uh, you know, both wholesale and what the MSRP would be. And then uh, basically we just kind of go through the spreadsheet and we use, you know, whatever tools, whether it's Terapeak, Alt, whatever it is to, to, to establish the comps. And, you know, we, it, it, I, I, we don't necessarily have a hard and fast rule that like it has to be within, um, you know, a certain number of days or, or anything like that. But, you know, we're experienced enough that we can take a look at, you know, a card and, and, and assuming that there's been, um, you know, multiple sale, if it's something, you know, fairly common, like, you know, let's just say like a Corbin Carroll rookie card PSA 10, you know, from like Topps Chrome, something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, there's going to be multiple sales and we, it's pretty easy to, to determine what that card is is worth. What's a fair value of it? Um, but I think uh, and then and then we build the product, uh, you know, just just based on an aggregate of those comps and we figure mm-hmm. out what the, what the sale price is going to be. But, you know, in, in my opinion, this is, I guess, where it's a little a little controversial i guess but like i I, if i'm being perfectly honest and this is gonna this may come out the wrong way in that i'm supporting things that maybe you know people don't agree with but i i i do think to a certain degree it's it's unfair the um the amount of focus that's been put on 
exact comps when talking about repack specifically because this market that we're in is volatile it's it, cards you take a look at, at, at someone like mac jones you know who you know maybe three weeks ago Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with Mac Jones. Today, yeah. Mac Jones has been benched three games in a row, and his, you know, his his cards go or or you know anybody, Wander Franco, Giddy, like any any of these bad things mm. can happen, whether they're mm-hmm. playing bad or whether they're um you know bad people or did a bad thing or something like that. So the comps are volatile, and I think that like we've been kind of painted in a corner because a lot of these bad actors made repacks that didn't have the value in them. And so then we were almost forced to start announcing these floor ceiling average type things, which, you know, I don't believe them when people say them for the most part, I think that they're normally going to be generous in the seller side. And I think buyers need to be aware of that. What I truly prefer, you know, guarantee what you're going to guarantee, you know, the item itself mm-hmm. and put together a quality product at a fair price. And, you know, I can't speak to the fact that, you know, if I made a, if I made a product three weeks ago and there's a, Mac, a nice Mac Jones in it that mm-hmm. has dropped 75%, yeah, you know, it. It's tough. And then, you know, I may say that the floor was a certain amount and now a card in it has dipped below that. And, you know, you're just never going to be right. You're never Mm going to be accurate as honest as you're trying to be. And I think the more people focus in on on the comps of it, they're just they're just looking for a reason to to be I don't, I don't know. It's almost like they're hunting out controversy or reason to be disappointed. And and unfortunately, the situation is with, with a lot of these people making them who maybe don't have like the credibility or even the integrity that should be making a repack product. You know, because of that, it's put someone like, you know, myself. Honestly, I think we operate with the highest integrity. I think we give great value. I'm not going to say we're the best, but I know what I'm putting out there. I stand behind. Literally, I call it Rotobox. It's my last name. I mean, my name is on the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and if people, you know, if, if I make a mistake or anything like that, you know, people can find me. Um, but <laughs> I think, you know, I think if the focus was put more on just delivering a quality product at a good value and 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 build a good reputation based on that, then, then comps become less important. Um, That's kind of, maybe I, maybe I got off topic there, but like, that's just the second you start assigning dollar amounts and values to things. um, That's when it goes from collecting to, to gambling, which I understand there's a gambling aspect, right? But, you know, I don't want people trying to hit the $5,000 jackpot. You know, I want people trying to hit that really cool, unique card. And if you can sell it for $5,000, great. And, you know, if you sell it for $3,000, great. But I just want you to get a card that you're happy with. That's 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 the main thing to me. Um, so, I don't know. I, no, maybe- I, I really appreciate us going down this because, you know, it's clear you're really passionate about it. And it is your livelihood. Like, you know, you went from doing this like part-time to now this is full-time for you, right? So, oh, yeah. I I really appreciate your your candid uh, response here. So, I 
I can see what you mean by it going from collecting to gambling and, you know, and you want people to try to hit that unique card. So, you know, this was a question I was maybe going to ask later down the road, but since we're here, I just wanted to ask like for a collector and to not focus too much on the comps and to just to for the collector themselves, the pure collector, for example, those folks tend to just buy the cards that they want and the players that they want. Right. So sure. what would you say, you know, if, if this was your pitch to a collector to get into repacks, like, mm -hmm. cause they're, in their heads, they're like, oh, I'll just, you know, if I have $200, I'd rather buy it on the exact card that I want as opposed to a repack. So what would you say to that? My my thing I would say would be buy that card. Don't buy a repack. That that would be what I would say. Would be if, if there's a, a specific, if, if we put out a run of 200 boxes and there's, you know, one Patrick Mahomes in it that you really want mm -hmm. and the price of that card is in the neighborhood of the of the repack product go buy that card like mm -hmm. that's what you should be doing it really um repack to me it should be a form of entertainment it should be something you know uh, it, it should be something where you know people like the surprise factor there's a there's a what is it the okay. the, the endorphin rush of, yeah yeah i don't know what i'm gonna get um and but, uh, you know, and, and if you have that specific want, then then always, 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 the answer is go buy the single. That That's me who makes and sells a product. I'm telling you, don't buy it. If that's what you want, go buy the single. And that's what you should do. And that's how you should build your collection. But if you want to do something different, you want to have a little fun, and you want to get something cool, um, then 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 check out repack because your your value is just stronger across the board than anything okay. you're going to get from any sealed product whether it's a good Watch repack too. or even a bad repack the worst repacks still provide better value than anything <laughs> Pablo Panini does and that's so, that's the fact yeah in my opinion um so maybe folks who are more risk seeking less people who are risk averse um should you know I no, that's really interesting. Yeah, can well, I just ask you, do you do you buy raw cards too or just labs? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've got a, a pretty constant stream of 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 uh, we do a lot of our own grading. So, uh we've become really uh, SGC has kind of become the the repackers best friend. Um mm -hmm. they're 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 reputable, they're timely, their cards sell strong at this point. They're not PSA, they're not going to sell for PSA prices. But they are outselling Beckett in a lot of cases right yeah. now. And, uh, um, you know, I send them out an order of 150 cards. I'll have them back in my hands graded in two weeks. I mean, it's, it's unbeatable. So mm -hmm. if I'm trying to produce a product and there's a time constraint, like PSA is not an option gotcha. um, in a lot so, of cases. But, yeah, we'll buy raw. So when you say we do our own grading, you buy the raw, but you every – card in your box in your roto box is a slab is 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 graded that that's that's inaccurate um, um so sorry no i'm just trying to learn yeah no you're good um so kind of i've always just just a personal preference i i don't really like using raw chrome cards in the product i okay. just it's just something that i've tried to avoid i'm not going to say okay. i never use them uh -huh. like uh but I feel like there's a, a kind of a, a people assume that because it's a raw 
chrome card there's something yeah. wrong with it right. and i'd rather just not deal with that now okay. personally and 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 this is where you know you kind of got to have your own policies and 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 beliefs on this but you know let's say i send a card that looks good to me and it comes back an 8 or whatever uh which is you know maybe people don't want an 8 um mm-hmm. but you know what that's where it becomes kind of like an ethical question what do i do with let's say I get a, you know, an Otani auto and I send it off and it grades a seven and it's an ultra mod, you know, obviously it's ultra modern because it's yeah. Otani. You know, what do I do with that seven? Do I crack it out and then put it in my product and then give people the, you know, someone's going to see it and say, Oh, I want to grade this because a 10 would be worth so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real, I can't like write a note saying like, Hey, this graded a seven and put it mm. in the box that way. Yeah. So, you know, I tend to just, grade them and if it comes back a poor grade send it out and then you know that way they know hey we subbed it it was a seven and uh uh we you know we obviously use it at a discounted value um but uh that's on like chrome stuff so so we'll we'll put in the low graded chrome autos because i don't want people to waste their money subbing it if there's something wrong with it Mm, and at least then they know the conditions it's in but then there are cards like you know let's say like a flawless or an nt type rpa which you know generally don't grade particularly well uh Mm -hmm. and they kind of come out of the pack um i guess a good example would be like black uh football um it's a black card so you get the whiting around the edges everyone's pretty familiar with that i'm not going to waste my time grading it people understand i think for the most part why we wouldn't have graded that particular card yeah um so so that type of stuff you know will encase it and and that's you know put in a one touch basically or or uh, we've now got an agreement with with mag pro with with zion cases we're looking forward to rolling those out too but um (laughs) shout out i guess or not a sponsor but no that's great (laughs) um so, you know, I remember Upper Deck Black, you know, from the early uh, the 2000s area. And then now I know when you say black, you're talking about like Tops Chrome Black and things like that. Well, I was thinking um, more like Panini Black football. Panini, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, there is Noir and Black, right. Um, yeah. Uh, two questions I had before we get to like the packing process. Sure. Because um, you mentioned football. Um, which sports are the most popular for you to buy and, you know, uh, that, that customers want? And then... Do you have a cutoff in year of product uh, when it comes to, you know, the cards that you purchase and, and pack? Good questions. Um, so we were basically uh, founded as a baseball group. Baseball is my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, first product we broke was 2016 Bowman's Best Baseball. I, just, I love baseball. Uh, I like football. Um, I love baseball. So there's only one. Sorry, I, I I usually don't interrupt, but I gotta say, Roto breaks. It is from your last name, and Roto yep. Box is from your last name. But we all know when it comes to fantasy, rotisserie style is really baseball. Rotisserie baseball, fantasy baseball. So. Yeah, I kind of lucked out with the name <laughs> there. Uh, it, it works. Uh, it's synonymous with sports. People hear right. Roto, they think either sports or sewage. So I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> Roto Rooters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, so. are you- Aren't you the the um, the heir to the Roto Rooters Empire? Isn't that true? I, I, heard, no. I wish we wouldn't be talking right now. I'd be chilling. <laughs> You'd be chilling. So baseball but, uh, is your passion, and but so so primarily we buy baseball and football. Uh, we do very limited basketball. We do a couple mm-hmm. like multi-sport type things, but like basketball is just it's tough, man. Like right, like basketball is either like 
all people want or they have no interest in it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Whereas baseball is the most steady. Um, I think baseball's got the, you know, the most predictable collector base, I think Mm -hmm. uh, would be the way I would, I I would put it. And then, and then football is just, it's a very easy, um, it's very easy to know what people want with football, uh, which uh, quarterbacks. Yeah. Quarterbacks, which yeah. I'll, I'll I'll show you something if we have time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we we focus pretty much on quarterbacks, um, okay. and yeah. And then from a year standpoint, are you doing any pre Panini stuff? Uh, anything oh, yeah. from like say the early Panini 2016, 2017? Are we talking like really just kind of like twenty twenties? No, we do. Uh, you know, with baseball, baseball it's a lot of fun. I love vintage stuff, and people love vintage stuff. Uh, so we put a lot of vintage baseball in, um, in in the product, and that helps us kind of round out the teams where maybe it's a little more difficult to, you know, maybe they don't have uh, current player. Let's take the Pirates for instance. Um, we got O'Neill Cruz, and mm-hmm. he sells you know, okay. But even a player as great as key Brian Hayes, um, who is a player that I love, you know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't sell that well. Um, so, you know, it's really, you can find a nice Clemente, uh, you know, from, you know, 1962 or whatever, and and like a PSA seven and, Mm. and, you know, that fits in our, you know, kind of range and Mm. people are ecstatic. You know, I get the pirates, Mm. I have no hope. And then all of a sudden I got a Clemente or, um, you know, uh, there's a million examples like that, but yeah, we'll use vintage. And then for football, I mean, yeah, you know, Brady rookies were, were 2000, you know, um, uh, Peyton Manning uh, was 98. So, uh, we, we use, you know, rookies of, you know, like from the 80s, you know, 86 set, like, you know, Jerry Rice, Joe, uh, Joe Montana earlier than that, uh, you know, Marino rookies, Elway rookies are okay. use vintage. The stuff that I found is not gone over particularly well would be like football cards from like the seventies. Like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. If vintage, reason, right. Uh, you know, they're not that excited about, uh, uh George Blanda, um, <laughs> Well, it's in the name, Blanda. Uh, you know, it's very bland. bland. We, I made a mistake and bought some George Blandas. Uh, <laughs> and put them in. For, well, he's a Raider. I mean, a Raider is another team that's kind of. It's tough to hit them. I mean, mm. uh, so you know, George Blanda. Fun fact: you know, had the longest NFL career ever. He was the yeah, longest yeah. Hall right. of Famer. You know, was quarterback, Super Bowl champion, like 47, yeah, 48. I mean, like yeah. he, he, yeah, something crazy. I, but the people don't care. They just don't care about George Bland anymore. Yeah. And yeah. it's a crime, but we've we've kind of stopped using the the, the more vintage uh, football. It just doesn't have the same romance to it that the baseball does. It, that is like really I've, I've heard that from some of my really good hobby friends is vintage football is like completely just uh, it's it's never risen to anything close to to baseball and even arguably basketball so um sure. but no thank you so man we are at the 40 we're past the 45 minute mark i want to do packing i want to do shipping and i want to get into the questions from instagram i haven't this might have to be a two-parter i don't know but here's the thing let's let's get into uh it's actually a really nice dovetail because you talked about if you like you didn't use a term but i'll use it if you skunk in a break if you don't hit anything and you have mm-hmm. maybe that roto box in there to save you so when you ship, when you have these roto boxes, are they meant to be 
standalone products or in conjunction with a break? Uh, do you send it to only to your roto breakers, like your team of breakers? Or do you sell sell these to other breakers who are on, you know, whatnot, loop, drip, and all that? So it's it's been an interesting um, journey. We've done it all. Um, it, really, we've we've done it all. When I started doing them, it was uh, a totally random hit format, and we just I made you know fifty boxes or a hundred boxes. You paid the price, and everybody got a box, and that was it. We just opened them all live, uh, and that was how it began. Um, did that for you know a couple years, and then a, uh, a basically a, a break a breaker. Uh, a large breaker who um, I'm not going to name them. They're definitely okay. not a sponsor, um, but a large <laughs> breaker reached out to me uh, wanting to, uh, they, they were doing a big Super Bowl break and they were like, Hey, you know, I, I've been watching what you've been doing. Could you make one of these for me? Um, I want to include it in the Super Bowl break. And so I made uh, a case. It was the first time I ever made a case. I, I, I took 10 boxes at the time and mm -hmm. made them up. Did the best I could, sent it out. The group really liked it. And then he said, Hey, can you make me 10 more of those? Like, okay, sure. So I so I did that. And uh and they were designed to be like a case break product. So it was okay. like its own case. So it was 10 hobby boxes, my own mm -hmm. hobby boxes. And the packaging was very crude. It was, I mean, it looked nice for the time, but not <laughs> what it does today. Nowadays, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so um, so we did that. So then I had a couple other breakers reach out to me because of the exposure I got from that breaker and then, you know, started kind of making like product runs. So I would make like 50 cases of a particular thing. Mm. And then it was designed to be like a case break, or you could open it up and sell individual boxes. It's never really, uh, it's never really sold particularly well in a hobby shop, which is interesting. I think there's a big education component there where, it's kind of tough for them to sell up to this point. So, mm -hmm. so they were designed to do a case, but then also we do, um, I do have my breakers and then also myself where we'll do events. Uh, we're pretty much exclusively on loop at this point, uh, but we'll do events on, on loop where it's, uh, you know, a series of packs. And, and I kind of view these, despite the fact that they have the same roto box name i kind of view those a little bit differently so we've got two different things basically we make a product which is kind of more intended for distribution and then mm -hmm. we'll do like pack events which is kind of more like uh, like someone who does it great is like pull wax pull packs those are you know they're they're huge events i've never gone through and comped them out they seem like people really enjoy them people love them they sell a ton um so it's kind of more that type of event where there's like okay we've got these 50 or 100 packs we're going to sell these out tonight. Someone's going to hit this chaser tonight. You're going to see all the cards tonight. So, so we kind of mm. do both. Um, what we're shifting towards uh, is creating actual product lines, uh, a la, you know, national treasures, flawless, whatever. We're trying to create product lines that will have, uh, you know, a, incremental release where we'll do a series one series two our first of which i will show you this because why not i'm on here um so yeah. like our first one that's coming out this is kind of a sneak preview so this is going to be mm -hmm. called under center it's okay. going to be an all product all quarterbacks so yeah. one one graded or encased card per pack um so so we're going to start releasing 
under, we're starting with under center, then we're moving into a baseball, which is going to be double play uh, and, and so on and so forth. But basically those are going to be designed to be wholesaled, hopefully in the LCSs and other breakers will break. Okay. Yeah. So, so, could, so yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, when it comes to these boxes, every box you've made since the beginning, because when you're talking about these hobby boxes, 10 hobby boxes in a case, there, the, mm -hmm. was there ever a time where there was more than one card or has it always been one, one card per one box? Oh yeah, we've done, uh, we've done, we did a, we've done a lot of different things. Honestly, we do, uh, we did, I once tried a thing called, uh, uh, Rotobox Bowman Chrome RTA, uh, which was, uh, Roto Team Advantage, uh, where I tried to emulate, Bowman HTA. Chrome's HTA yeah. product yeah. and put three graded Bowman Chrome autos in a box. Uh, and then in a case of six, you got 18 graded Bowman Chrome autos. Mm -hmm. That did really well. It became a little difficult to source because of just the number of, uh, okay. of, of graded Bowman Chrome autos we needed that didn't suck. Got it. Um, so, uh, so we've done, yeah, we've done one, two, three. It just, uh, we've kind of landed on one because okay. it's easy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I totally understand and appreciate the reasoning for uh, different. Uh, I know you're not calling them SKUs, but in my head, like SKU, like SKUs. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost <laughs> like you have some for wants to be distributed out, and then some for events. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my understanding, and I got this wrong in the beginning. There is a difference between repacks and mystery packs because there are these shows streams where every single pack will be shown on camera in that one time mm -hmm. versus repacks uh you can have a case and that whole thing may not be opened all in one three-hour stream for example sure uh we also um, know yeah go ahead so what do you think about no, yeah i don't know that they're different um okay. but they are Okay. I, they are considered different, but it's just, yeah, it's just kind of more, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's tough to kind of differentiate them, but basically when we do like the mystery pack events, they're designed to be done in-house. Like I wouldn't, uh -huh. and, and generally I would say those are going to present a better value because okay. they're typically being done by us so they're normally kind of an even like a you know a, a neutral ev proposition for the for the buyer so um, so that yeah so that was going to be my question is there a difference in value when it comes to the ones that are distributed versus the ones that are in-house but you're saying they are kind of like there's even more value in the ones that you all you all are doing but yourselves on a stream with your breakers i would say generally yeah okay. um okay. because uh just look at it as uh, when you when you're buying a repack just you just got to kind of look at it how many how many mouths were fed along the way mm -hmm. uh, to this being opened and then and then you know that'll that should kind of set your expectations so um so you're coming to my stream to buy my repack okay you know that i make this mm -hmm. so you know that in theory uh yeah, we're going to account for, you know, platform fees, shipping, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, like there's, you know, if, if you're buying correctly and running a, a you know, professional 
operation like we are, um, there's no reason that those packs should be sold for 150% of the value. There, there's no reason. Um, you know, platform fees and shipping, sure, 110, 115, you know, maybe 120, depending on what's going on. But like, it should be a pretty tight, uh, pretty tight window there uh, when you're buying it in a mystery pack event. Um, now, the now that said, there's there's a lot more and and there's a lot more expense that goes into a um, a product that say we would distribute. So let's say I'm selling Badger Breaks is you know very good friend of mine and they 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 break a lot of our products. So mm -hmm. so when I make a product for Badger Breaks and then I sell it to them and uh, you know then he, I sell it to him and then at that point basically all of those. Um, those costs, you know, have to be accounted for. It is a business that they're running. He has a shop in Wisconsin. You know, there's overhead, there's employees that have to be paid, there's shipping, there's all of that. So more so downstream. Yeah. So so they need to they need to make they do need to make money there or else they can't provide yeah. the service that their customers want. But but when you're buying it directly from me, you know, in a mystery pack event, like, you know, those costs in theory should kind of be taken care of, I think, on the buy side. And then on the assembly right. side, okay. um, where it gets a little tricky is let's say this product like under center, which is, you know, releasing later this month, um, you know, let's say we're doing a 200 box run and we've wholesaled out 150 and then, you know, we're mm -hmm. keeping 50 for the roto breaks customers. Now, essentially I have to, um, obviously I have employees to pay too. And I, you know, I need to keep the, the MSRP in line with what the other breakers are selling it for. Mm -hmm. So I can't really undercut people that I'm wholesaling to. Um, so <laughs> so it gets a, a little bit trickier. But um, yeah, I mean, you should the customer should expect the best value from those mystery pack events. Got it. Whether they're getting it, I don't know. But would, would you say those mystery packs for those events are more recently comped too because they're like almost like sealed and ready to go as opposed to like shipped and then you don't know when again he's not a sponsor and loop is not a sponsor but like badger breaks uh you don't know when he's going to be doing his stream and you don't know if they're all going to sell out right i mean those boxes could be sitting with him again we were talking about three weeks of matt jones right i mean in three weeks that that value could, could tank or or rise it, yeah, it goes it goes both ways. It could have a CJ Stroud in it who, you know, preseason, you know, all the talk was, you know, kind of more focused on like what's Bryce Young going to do? Like, yeah, and and CJ Stroud, you know, wasn't the hottest name coming into this season. So his mm -hmm. his I mean, it's you know, he was obviously you know, top 10 pick or whatever and and people were somewhat high on him, but um you know, you could have that too. I mean, that certainly happens as well. It's just, you know, football is just so volatile. So, but the, but, but if, if you're buying into a mystery pack event and there's a ton of Jimmy Garoppolo's in it, <laughs> that's a problem. You, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's not relevant. That's, that's a negative. If I bought into like a mystery pack event that was designed to be sold out that day and mm -hmm. I was hitting, you know, and I hit, say, a Wander Franco yeah. today. I would never hurt. buy from that person again. Like right, I would just right. be like, this person is is using this to dump undesirable dump. cards. Right, they're right, not. Right. They're not specifically curating this product with care, right. which is right. how it should be done. Yes, in my opinion.
No, that's a really good point. You want long-term customers. You want people to come back. You want people to see the value so that you, like you said, like you, you want to run a business with integrity like that. And you said your name is on those boxes, Roto. So I, I totally see that, um, that you want to provide that value. Um, yeah. I think there are people who want to maybe make huge margins and people see how, you know, other people do it and they want to, they think it's easy money and it's, it, it's such a short-sighted way to just kind of, you know, if you shortchange people, it's short-sighted and you're, you're not going to have a, a long lasting business. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, they, I hate to, you know, to sound, you know, hate to put it this way, but yeah, I mean, they say, what are the, you can, you can shear a sheep many times, but you can mm. only skin them once. I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, <laughs> yes. Um, so I want to talk about the shipping too. I mean, I, I, in a way we've been talking about it, like, you know, you're shipping, you're distributing, you know, you're moving the product within in-house and also outside. There's a lot of talk about the transparency and checklists. And so I yeah. wanted to ask you, is that something you've, you do do? Like, I really have never bought a Rotobox. Let me be very clear. I should have said this really early on. A lot of people. When, when I, when, when, when I, when I have had, um when we agree to do this with short notice like shout out to stock and trade for telling me your name and i know he's a newer breaker under the roto brand i guess and and in, and in loop he's, he's or, not under our brand he just ah, uh ah. no no, no. Uh, he's, Send him he's some uh, stuff someone i met recently uh okay. and uh and and he did uh for his first loop stream we we just had, had a conversation had roto um, we just had a conversation and he wanted uh something to break yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And so I, and so we made him a, okay. a set of a uh, of, of kind of a mystery pack event that we did in a very short yeah. time. We're pretty awesome. agile little business. So, but no, he doesn't work for me. Got um, it, got it, got it. I don't. I, I, I would love him to, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but no. Shout out to him for uh, for tagging you on the original Instagram post. And um, but yeah, I've never bought from you. We're not having you on for any pay for play. Like some people think that I either pay guests or they pay me for being on this podcast. You pay me with your time and your knowledge and information. And and I should have been really clear with that up front. Um, I was offered no payment for this. Yes, for this exactly. <laughs> um, so, but so having said that, I've never seen your product like you know physically in hand. Um, when sure. it comes to the um, this this whole the transparency and the checklist uh and you said not many people do like mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that subject matter i love it um so the, the irony so i did an event uh, actually the shirt's from that event so i did an event yeah. at the mint collective with zion cases where we threw a big party um to mm -hmm. launch uh we had a new packaging for uh roto boxes and uh, I was very excited. It was going to be a high-end offering. And at the time, I, um, you know, was I had a very good relationship with Fanatics. Um, and uh, I threw this party. People had a good time. You know, there was a lot going on there. We we unveiled the product. People were impressed. Blah blah blah. The next day, I get a phone call from Fanatics um, telling me, "Hey, we need to talk about your roto boxes." Um, this is how you have to do them moving forward. There needs to be stated floor and ceiling. There needs to be a checklist. There needs to be all these different transparency things, which weren't things that I've ever had to do. Basically, I was selling to, you know, I've developed, it's not the biggest reputation. Not everyone knows who we are, but I tell you what, the people that do know who we are, like 
you're not going to, you're just not going to hear a bad thing about it. We put a lot of work in it. Maybe someone didn't get, you know, the best card in the run, but you know, they, they know the values there. And I've worked really hard to have that reputation within people who know what we are. Um, so they tell me all these things about checklists, ironically, because their checklists are never right. It, it, <laughs> it was ironic that they were coming to me demanding that I make my checklist accurate, which is funny because now on their platform, they have all kinds of repacks on there that none of them have a checklist. But at that time, I said, you know what? Why not? Why not put a checklist out? So then I did start issuing a checklist with every mm -hmm. product that we're making, with the exception of one, because it's a little difficult because it's kind of a ever repopulating thing uh, that we do on loop. It's called an Aria box. It's basically a break in a box where it contains six to eight hits plus multiple um, hobby packs in it as well. And, and it, it, it would just, that would be complicated because we'd have to keep replenishing it over and over and over again, mm. just one lineup. But when we, when we release a product like under center, um on rotobreaks.com you will see every single card that's that's used and okay. and and to me uh if i'm providing a checklist that tells you you know all the information about the card you know what is the card uh you know what's it graded you know everything about it um to me not like to me, that does so much more for the customer if they take advantage of the information that's being provided. That does so much more than me saying the floor is $30 and the ceiling's 5000 and the average is whatever. Like, mm -hmm. I'm telling you that, but putting out a checklist is proving that. If you want right. to go out and comp every single right. card you can, I'm giving you all the information to do it. Right. Uh, and, and, and if you buy the product with access to the checklist and you are upset at least then in my opinion that's your fault not mine i yes, am sir. telling you every possible thing that could be in this box got it so i love it so we have since then put out a checklist for everything we do whether it's a mystery pack event um and again not affiliated with pull wax either but they uh they do a checklist for all of their pull packs and i love mm -hmm. it it's great uh it, if you're providing a checklist, and uh, you know, what more can you do? Um, right. <laughs> so, so you, are are you? You said you had a good relationship with Max. You guys are still cool, right? You guys are good. <laughs> the silence. Okay. Um, so I I didn't mention the. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I like the direction that my business is heading and it does okay. not involve them. Um, right. I just, again, it's, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I don't mind saying it. It's a question of value to me. Mm -hmm. um, I have opened thousands of cases of product from mm -hmm. them. And uh, that was part of the motivation in making a repack to begin with. I know, yeah. um, I know that, you know, yes, there are, Ethan Salas superfractors in three of you them. Know, Are you saying you, you least, don't you don't have three one of ones yeah. in your products, do you? Of the same player? I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I know that these you know these lottery tickets exist, and I can't provide that. I can't. However, mm. um, you know, our just just the ROI across the board. There is literally mm. nothing that they could do 
that could come, that could give even half as good a return as we do. There is nothing they could do. Ooh, and yeah. uh, and and I think I think I think wax prices are outrageous right now. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. there's no value in any product. <laughs> I, and I just, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just not doing it, to be honest with you. So, John, Jonathan, <laughs> or Mr. Roto, uh, Mr. Talented Roto, right here. Um, do you remember that guy, fantasy football, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Barry? Or oh, yeah. Matthew Barry. Oh, my goodness. Jonathan yes. Barry. Um, man, I used to play so much fantasy football and basketball back in the day. And I <laughs> now I just have cards. Um, I think we talked enough about the shipping process or not enough, but like we wove it into the packing and shipping and thank you for mm-hmm. kind of letting me know, you know, you have different channels and distribution and, you know, streams, um, streams, video streams, and also streams of, ch- ch- okay. Anyway, um, talking about price of wax, I think brings me to a really great, um, I don't have segments in this podcast, but I know some people like make this funny sounds like a, questions from instagram okay so exactly thank you um the first question has to do with price of wax so um this is from pancake pancake analytics his question is wax prices are increasing across the board while the individual product in wax is decreasing at a higher rate do you feel do you feel as the repackers do you feel repacking the product and creating a better value is enabling the card manufacturer to release inferior products what do you think about that question? I can read it again if you want. Uh, no, I don't think that. I okay. think um, sheer. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's a power. They're a powerful company. They're releasing inferior products because they can. They have no reason <laughs> not to. They have no reason not. They have no reason. Cage. Uh, I don't know if you. If you, I'm sure you know Cage, but Shout I mean, out. Cage put it best. They have no incentive to be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that the, the fact that we can repackage those cards uh, and, and deliver a better value, uh, the, it, the only thing that that is doing for Fanatics is helping to prop up the limping hobby that they've created mm. is we're returning some value and some liquidity to the people who still get in these breaks and mm-hmm. still get their asses kicked, they can come back to us and get something cool and kind of yeah. save the day. And then they don't exit the hobby. That's what we're doing. So yeah, wow. I guess in a way we are allowing them to create inferior products because we're keeping them in the hobby by giving them something good. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought this was a really good question, but it was a really hard one because it's good because it's, it really talks about what the underlying, you know, the, the price of wax and the price of, you know, um, the singles and all that, but it's also almost like projecting, right? You're, you're almost being asked to like, think about what this other entity or person is trying to do. But I think you handled that one really well. So thank you. I, I really like your answer to that. Thanks. Um, Desert Heat asks, what price point are you trying to reach with your ROI? Uh, rephrase, rephrase that yeah um <laughs> I, I will i will have to project desert heat's intent of question but i think maybe okay. it's like mo- talking about margins or percentage like you know you you said your your you derived earlier in this i can't believe it's over an hour here now but and this will definitely have to be two parts at this it's point a big but topic yes it is um when you have your margins people can either mm-hmm. make their margins from the buying side or the selling side 
seems mm-hmm. like the way you were answered earlier, you're doing it on the buying side because you're buying yeah. at lower comps than what you know CBLAS was saying. So maybe what Desert Heat is trying to ask is, you know, what are what are your what do your margins look like? You know, and and it's kind of tough because now we're, we may be talking percentage or, or numbers, and you know that can be your business, and you don't want to divulge it. But to the extent that you're comfortable, how how would you answer that? I have no problem answering it, to be honest with you. Um, so like like I told you before, like in an ideal world, we, we're able to buy every uh, card at 70% of market um, so, mm-hmm. or 70% of what, you know, fair comp would be. So yeah. it's a, you know, a $100 comped card. I want to get that card for 70 bucks. That's that's my target. Okay. Um, you factor in expenses you know packaging like the, the the boxes aren't cheap the packs aren't cheap the heat tunnel wasn't cheap the um the graphics design isn't cheap you know these are all things we have to pay for so let's mm-hmm. say that that you know let's say that that eats up you know 10 to 15 percent i think mm-hmm. is, is pretty fair if i sell that um you know I'm not going to divulge the exact answer, but a single digit markup versus comp is what we're selling to uh, on wholesale. So if Mm -hmm. we start at 70% in an ideal world and we sell it at, you know, a single digit markup, we take away, um, you know, 10 to 15% for expenses. You know, I feel like in order for me to operate and, and continue to, to scale and grow, you know, we need to make about 20%. However, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. that, the, the onus is on me to, to be great at one of two things. Mm-hmm. I either need to be great at acquiring these cards at a good mm-hmm. price, or I need to be great at tricking people into buying these when they're a worse value for a higher <laughs> price. So I am not great at selling a shitty product. We <laughs> are great at buying correctly. So we're trying to make our money on that side and then develop deliver a good product and have people sell it and and that that's how we do it so i would say 20 percent is what we're looking to make off of every dollar that we're spending yeah. um and uh and you know other people look to make it on the other side and and mm-hmm. they're successful in that yeah and i, I you know i've got nothing but <laughs> jealousy and envy for people who can't <laughs> do that. it's just not it's just not something that we've been able to do so we we have to buy well and we have to sell fairly and that yeah, 20%, I guess, would be awesome. No, wow. Thank you for being so refreshingly honest with that. Um, so our Clark512 asks, he asked a bunch of questions. Uh, I'm gonna ask the best one out of it because okay. I my understanding is you know, every repacker can can do it differently, but um, do you evenly spread return across the case, or do you have like one major hit and the rest are like below comps or average? So um, I, I won't say who it is, but I, I may have them on the podcast, but some other repackers, they do this thing where if you have a case of 10, four of them are like right around comps, you know, plus or minus 10, $50. And then you have, or, you know, it depends on the price of the product, I guess, or the SKU. But um, four of them, four out of the 10 are like right around comps, three are below comps, and then three are above comps, kind of like a three, four, three type of thing. Um, how, like how do you spread so so the original question from uh r clark is do you spread the value evenly or is it kind of like a one major chase and then like some that are like around comp level um that's a that's a great question because there's definitely different mindsets on that um there there are um 
I, I keep using them as an example, but they're probably, you know, one of the biggest ones. The, the pull wax, when they do theirs, they have huge chases. I mean, they have very big cars, very cool stuff that, uh, it, you know, it's amazing. And so it's very top heavy mm -hmm. uh, when they do it. And they're upfront about that. And so I think that that's great. You know, it's not my cup of tea to do mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. I prefer kind of a flatter um, return a little bit okay. more, uh, yeah. in my opinion. So, I mean, I'll let you know exactly how I do it. And we do curate them all by hand. But let's mm -hmm. say when we make so so the under center product that I've shown you the box for, that's just going to be loose boxes. They're not going to be cased. So it's going to be box number one through 200. And mm -hmm. that's that's that. So there's there's no balance. It's just the the really good ones, the, the good ones, the okay ones, and the bad. So they're got it. Whatever. All right. Make it whatever. But when I do make a case uh, or a series of cases, let's say, uh, you know, let's say we're making a football product that's designed to be in cases of, uh, you know, let's say six boxes, two cards each. Uh, and we're going to make, you know, 20 cases. So we've got 240 cards to choose from. I will mm -hmm. count them all out and basically put them in. Um, descending order of price so we got our top card and we've got our bottom card mm -hmm. literally what i'll do is i got my giant table is i will lay out cards one through 20 so the best cards here and the 20th best card is here that's going to be your worst case hit so then your worst case hit is going to get the 21st value card and we snake draft it and then go back down and so it's going to be based on comp so the best card is going to have the best card. The second best card in that case is going to be the 40th best card in that run. And then the third best card is going to be the 41st best card in that run. So basically it's almost like a fantasy football draft. I'm Roto. It would make sense that that's how we're doing it. Fantasy style. But so, so I think you, that's certainly great. If you want to go on a case by case basis and someone does it where three are over the value, you know, four at the value and three are under the value. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of products that are that good, to be honest with you. So it's it's, it's probably ambitious. But um, the way we do it is, I just take the whole run and I just snake drafting it has been the most balanced way we can do it. And then once we get into kind of the bottom, uh, you know, twenty cards or whatever, that's when I'm just kind of looking to make sure we're not duplicating teams because a lot of them are are meant to be, uh, or a lot of them end up in like random team or pick your team breaks. And I'd rather not have double of the same team in there if possible. Um, but but that's kind of how we build them. So we want every case to be as even as possible, um, if that helps. You're you're muted again. <laughs> I I have never I have not had any mic troubles until episode this might be 50 something, but um I I want to thank you so much for this uh for you to explain it in that regard was really cool i think people could visualize it and it mm -hmm. kind of makes more sense um i <laughs> i may have to make this into a one podcast episode because it's such a hot topic I, I think i may just have this upload all and just kind of like release it um as soon as possible because i think you shed so much good light into this. Um, I also have to like go to the bathroom. So <laughs> I have other questions that are on here. I just think I'm going to have to, um, we may have to have you on another time, but sports card nonsense. I'm going to shout them out. They sent a really funny nonsensical question, which is very them. 
I'm not going to ask it, but they talked about Keebler elves. And so I thought, well, how many employees do you have? Um, you know, maybe we can just get you out on that question. Um, like what, like, where do you, where are you currently? And like, where would you like to be going into like, or like for the, you know, for 2024? How many Keebler elves do I want working yeah, for many, me? Yeah. Yeah. So right now I've got, uh, four employees other than myself. Um, okay. and, uh, we, during kind of, uh, it, it's been kind of an adventure. So I've had as many as, and and then wow. we've kind of we've kind of scaled as we as we've scaled back the breaking side mm -hmm. okay. um you know we've we've made you know we've had some departures um gotcha. amicable i think but you yeah. know just uh we're, we're trying to kind of shift the direction into a almost all rotobox um centric way um so right now we're down to mm. four um you know i don't look at it as as a, a number of employees that i want uh, you know whatever whatever we can you know i want to employ as many people as i can and give them a, a fun good uh living um mm. and so you know i'd love to have a hundred people working for me uh that that are all happy right um but you know i mean right now i like the people that we have um you said you got to meet nick um oh yeah at the national X Y. Nick XYB Nick yeah yep XYB Nick um his uh, his sister used to work with us breaks Aww. with Jess I'm not sure if you if you the, the world famous breaks with Jess she used to work with us now she has on the bigger and better things but Aww. we've got we've, we've got AJ and uh and and you know Rianne and uh we're we're doing good but that's awesome uh, yeah we don't have too many too and then my and then of course my my secret my secret uh Silent Bob yeah, <laughs> and then and then Dave, of course, as well, does uh, he's handling our breaks on Facebook. So, um, you know, we got a awesome. good crew. I, I, you know, we're not I'm looking to skip right now. We can you know, I had time to do this with you. So I've got more time yeah. to make more repacks until I don't. Then uh, then we're not hiring uh, anybody just yet. But, you know, if we can get to a staff of, you know, anywhere from five to ten, I think that's yeah. what we really need. Well, this is why I thank you so much for your time and especially on short notice. Um, yeah. You have been so, uh, I think, um, knowledgeable and all the history, like again, like Comp Snoop or Snoop Dogg, whatever the thing was called. Card Snoop. Um, <laughs> that, that's just so awesome. So, and, and it's so funny, right? Right uh, as we end this, I just uh, five minutes ago, you said something like on a case by case basis. And I thought that was hilarious because I'm like, these are cases of, of a uh, hobby of uh, repack. So, no, I, I want to say again, um, you know, um, well, you've you've said it many times. It'll be in the show notes and the podcast description, rotobreaks.com. Yep. Uh, with the S at the end, right? Rotobreaks.com. Yep. We do more then, than one. Yes, you do more than <laughs> one. Uh, you have rotobox.com. No S at the end. That is an X at the end. Uh, but not ro the, but not ro rotobox.com. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. So oh, rotobox.com. Rotobox.com is actually motorcycle wheels um, <laughs> out of Germany or something like that. So the Rotobox.com. Um, as we launch our, our newer stuff with the yeah. exciting new designs, uh, all the checklists and all the uh, um, wholesale information will be there. Um, and oh my goodness, that's so awesome! Uh, I was making a joke, but you actually do have it, so that's great. Um, mm -hmm. Jonathan, thank you so much. Um, you, it, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, you know, hope. Uh, thank you for doing the repacks and you know we just had small business saturday and so thank you for being such a great small business in the hobby thanks for having me and uh yeah if there's a part two 
you people have more questions, I'm an open book. I'm I transparency is the name of the game here as we head into 2024. So I'm you know, I just you know, I want people to know what we're doing. I want people to know uh how hard we're working to provide a good value, to provide a good experience and um, you know, if, if people have more questions about what we're doing, you know, I'm happy to come on again anytime. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan, Mr. Talented Roto. <laughs> Until next time. All right. See ya. See ya.